Healthier's podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. 2020 has been characterized by a lineup of planets in Capricorn. We had the great Saturn-Pluto conjunction on January 12th, 2020, and have been feeling the impact and fallout of that moment all year. Saturn-Pluto transits relate to major historical contractions, so much so that astrologers knew for a long time that 2020 was going to be a huge and difficult year. But we've also had Jupiter and Capricorn amplifying the Saturn-Pluto dynamic as Jupiter expands what it touches. In traditional Hellenistic astrology, Jupiter is in its fall in Capricorn. Joe Gleason on this episode brings some insight to this concept, referring to planets in fall or detriment as not conventionally resourced. When you think of what Jupiter intends to accomplish in of itself, and then what Capricorn represents, you can imagine the friction here. Basically put, Jupiter is a planet of abundance and expansion, while Capricorn relates to boundaries, limits, and responsibility. We explore in this episode what would have been more difficult this last year versus what was more supported. Joe brought in some storytelling for this episode that I feel really evokes the wintry and grave feeling of Jupiter and Capricorn, as well as its offering, like the magic of choosing hope. Jupiter will enter Aquarius on December 19th, 2020. Saturn was in Aquarius for a brief while this year, but retrograded back into Capricorn. Saturn will also re-enter Aquarius in December, and Jupiter and Saturn will form a conjunction in Aquarius on the winter solstice, December 21st, 2020. But before we move on, we will look back in this episode as we would with Capricorn. You may know that Capricorn has a archetypal quality of glancing back, so looking into the past, looking at history, and understanding where we are in the current moment based on the storyline that has led us up to where we are now. And Capricorn is a pretty ambitious sign in a lot of ways. There's a sense of climbing a mountain and getting to the top or you know, reaching some kind of goal in the world or in a worldly sense. And it can relate to the standards that we place on ourselves um, to be successful, to be good. And so it can be important to take the time to look back, um, especially if you're on some kind of trajectory where you have a goal and you have that sense of, you know, are you getting closer to it? You feel like you're trudging, but are you really making any progress? It can be important to look back and take account for what you have accomplished. Especially so because Capricorn um, and Saturn can lean toward the negative. So taking some time to intentionally focus on the good can do a lot of good. So more about Joe before we begin. Joe Gleason is an astrologer and writer based in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Although her fascination with astrology dates back to her late teens, she began dedicated study after discovering the work of Project Hindsight in 2014. After several terms and certificates earned at Kepler College, Jo adjusted her focus to a primarily traditional approach, studying Hellenistic astrology with Chris Brennan and planetary magic with Austin Kopic. 
In 2016 through 18, Joe served as the social media manager and program flyer designer for the State of the Art Astrology Conference. She joined the Association for Young Astrologers Board in June 2016 as social media manager, served as vice president from June 2018 to July 2020, and now serves as interim president. Joe's astrology practice is rooted in traditional techniques intended to provide a sound vessel for the holding and channeling of spirit, story, and empowerment. And a few announcements before we get started. In January 2021, I am teaching two courses. One is my Evolutionary Astrology Intensive that is a live course that has pre-recorded modules you can watch at your own time and live sessions weekly in the group. This course is designed to give you the foundations of a practice in evolutionary astrology. Evolutionary astrology is a modern, psychological, soulful, and karmic astrology that focuses on Pluto and the lunar nodes as a way to determine a soul's desire for being here, what a soul has brought into this life from the past, and where a soul is headed in this life. I have been in love with this form of astrology since 2012, when it helped me find a connection to the deepest part of myself, you know, my soul, the part of me who has been here before and will incarnate again. Um, I was assisted in finding this part of myself in the midst of profound crisis during this incarnation. And I have since found that not only is this branch of astrology amazing for understanding natal charts and people, but this form of astrology is full of wisdom teachings that open up greater spiritual connectivity. This course is an opportunity to learn astrology in a structured and guided way. And also as a teacher, I really aim to help people feel the material and connect with their own capacity to form interpretations and develop what is called an archetypal eye. So you can see the archetypes everywhere. This class has glowing reviews from previous students, and you can find these testimonials on the course page. I'm leaving the course page in the show notes. So visit, learn more about this course and enroll there. You know, I love this course for being a guide into a deeper relationship with astrology, and it's also an amazing community experience. It always attracts a really interesting, intelligent, and thoughtful group of people. So if you enjoy the content shared here on the podcast or on the forecast, that's kind of like a signal of resonance. Um, So it's always this really beautiful group that um, emerges in these classes and I would love to have you. I'm also teaching a level two training open to alumni of the evolutionary astrology intensive called meteorite that will also begin in January, 2021. This group is about developing quality astrology and building intimacy with the practice in a group of other committed journeyers because evolutionary astrology is such a soulful practice. We will bring a lot of enchantment and imagination into this space. In addition to building our interpretive acumen, So becoming more skilled as astrologers, but also more imaginative. This group is here for the cultivation of unique and embodied astrologers. There will be two main ways we accomplish this that can be summed up as rooting down and branching out. Rooting down will continue anchoring into the depth of the evolutionary astrology material by working with new curriculum, volunteer clients, as well as by discussing group members' charts together and keeping our own introspective processes alive relative to our birth chart, 
transits, and psyches and souls. Branching out, participants will also embark on a culminating project as part of building and generating their own astrological body of work. You know, this was important to me because the groups that form for classes I teach are always so amazing. And I wanted to create some space for people to share their creations at the end of class. And having um, been in amazing grad school classes around creative writing and getting to create in a group of people, the synergy is just amazing. And I'm really excited to facilitate that. We'll explore astrology as a study as well as a way of life. We're going to go all in devoting ourselves to the practice of astrology and the embodiment of being in lucid relationship with the cosmos and being able to communicate our interpretations. The course page for Meteorite is also in the notes. And with that, let's get into our episode, A Jupiter and Capricorn Retrospective. Welcome, Joe. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So before we dive into a Jupiter retrospective, I'd love to hear about what brought you to your astrology practice and what it looks like currently. Yeah, so my practice kind of started out, I think, in the way a lot of people's do or my interest in astrology, rather. Um, I came from a Christian background, like I grew up in the Midwest. It's very like Bible belt zone. Um, and after I kind of opened my mind up, um, and sort of separated from Christianity, I just started diving into everything metaphysical. So I started out with like spirit science on YouTube, like what is consciousness? Oh my God, law of attraction. And, um, you know, with all of these new thought ideas came stuff like astrology, palmistry, Reiki, Um, so I got Reiki certified and I kind of dabbled in everything, but I kept coming back to astrology just because I think it's, uh, such a good fit for just kind of the kind of person I am, but it also just intrigued me so endlessly that it could be so descriptive of my experience of other people's experience. So, um, eventually in 2014, I decided to start studying seriously. I was like, okay, I'm going to like do this for real. I'm going to like get really good at it. Um, so that's when I started studying in earnest and got my first reading with Rob hand. Like I just started out. Oh, wow. like, yeah. Uh, that was my first reading. And he actually, he looked at my Mercury in Virgo, which is conjunct with a lot of fortune. And he was like, Oh yeah, you can do astrology. And I was like, Oh my God, are you serious? So, um, that really pushed me to go ahead and like enroll in classes and, and really get really dedicated. So, uh, from there, as far as my practice, um, I got involved in the community pretty early on as well with the association for young astrologers just started out like doing their social media and whatnot. And, um, eventually I was able to get hooked up with, um, the state of the art astrology conference. I did their social media and program and flyer design. So I was like going to conferences pretty early on starting in 2016. And I just really got immersed in the community and, um, I fell in love with it right from the start and wanted to start offering readings and stuff like that. So eventually I did, it was, it was something that, um, came pretty naturally to me because it seems like 
no matter what I've done in my life, my goal is always to share it with people in a way that empowers them. Um, like I had a short stint of doing like beauty blogging and stuff like that. And I, I, yeah, I saw some posts from that. That was really (laughs) cool. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I love beauty and aesthetics and all that stuff, but my main goal, even with that at that point in time was I wanted to like make tutorials and reviews and share with people, um, how to make it more accessible and empowering for them and like make it easier and, and provide access to something that might otherwise seem kind of beyond reach or kind of too hard or something. So I think that with astrology, my goal is kind of the same. Like I want to provide that to people because it's been so empowering to me just in my own self-realization journey. So, uh, yeah, I, I tend towards that and, um, yeah, that's kind of what brought me here. I've been seeing clients professionally for a few years now. Amazing. Yeah, I can really feel the Virgo energy come through with your precision and your craft. Um, but of course, you're a Leo too. And I'm looking at your yeah. gorgeous mane of hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to rep the Leo in my chart, but I, I do have a lot of Virgo planets. So I think that comes through a lot. So today um, I asked you here to do a retrospective for Jupiter and Capricorn and Jupiter entered Capricorn on December 2nd of 2019 and will be leaving December 19th as it enters Aquarius of 2020. And I'd love to know, like, first in a general sense, like, what is the character or mood that you see of this placement? And I'd love to hear any Lord of the Rings connections that you have as well, because I know that that was part of it. Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely a part of it. Um, So much of the Jupiter and Capricorn mood is the fact that we were coming off of Jupiter and Sagittarius, which was just like amazing. It was so uplifting and it was I mean, it was Jupiter at home, like fully resourced to do everything Jupiter loves to do. So like quest around and expand and um, provide an abundance of optimism and ideas and exploring. And then Jupiter and Capricorn was like, it was really coming back down to earth. So the overall tone that I expected and definitely have been experiencing is a very kind of somber tone. It's really sobering. Um, it's, It's really about kind of paring down all the ideas and all of the vision that we had, um, especially with that Jupiter and Sagittarius transit and having to consolidate and having to realize there's not unlimited time. We don't have unlimited resources. And honestly, that can feel, especially coming off of like a Jupiter high, that can feel kind of like a bummer. It can feel like, oh no, like I don't have anything left now. Like I was so inspired, like, where did it go? So there's kind of a sobering tone to it, but I think on the other side of it as well. um, And I say this a lot with my clients, like it really depends on your own chart, kind of how you experience different transits to some people that groundedness and that sobering quality can feel like relief after so much stimuli, so much, incoming information, so much energy. Um, sometimes it can feel like kind of a relief. And I think I experienced a little bit of that as well. Um, but overall much more grounded, much more pragmatic, much more realistic. Um, all these earth words that we think of really, really came through. 
And you also wrote about the shift of the lunar nodes um, into Sagittarius and Gemini around the same time, right? As Jupiter entered Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you tell us about that shift and what it meant for us as a collective? Yeah. So I thought this was really interesting. Um, And I I just realized I did not touch on Lord of the Rings, but don't worry, I will. (laughs) I would... (laughs) It's hard to like not get me to reference Lord of the Rings. Um, So yeah, something really interesting that happened was we had the nodes in Cancer and Capricorn. So the North Node in Cancer and the South Node in Capricorn for much of uh, what was at the end of 2017 and all the way through 2018. I'm probably getting the dates kind of wrong, but we had the South Node in Capricorn along with Pluto and Saturn. And um, gosh, talk about like, grounded and like really getting like down into the earth that broke down so many structures so much that felt so solid for so many of us for our whole lives or even for generations and what I thought was really interesting was you know Jupiter ingressed into Capricorn uh, where the south node had been for quite some time and the south node Um, you know, the nodes travel in reverse. So the South node went from Capricorn to Sagittarius. So Sagittarius became a very different place in our charts and in the sky, um, having the South node there instead of Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter really is about increase and abundance and uh, growth. And the South node is, um, at least the way I approach it in my practice is, kind of the opposite in a lot of ways. It's about purging and release and um, letting go. And so I thought that was really interesting, um, just the fact that they switched signs. And I feel like it made that transition a little bit more jarring in some ways. And yeah, again, the kind of the relief that some of us felt that, that I definitely felt of Jupiter moving into Capricorn, slowing down, consolidating, Um, A lot of it was looking at those ideas and dreams we had when Jupiter was in Sagittarius and having to really let some of them go Um, and dealing with grief when you let something go or kind of the the process of letting something leave your life. Um, These signs are right next door to each other. So it was very much like kind of a one-two punch from the universe in a way. Uh, But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I feel like Um, we're still processing that, you know, the South node's still in Sagittarius, Jupiter is still in Capricorn for a little bit longer. And it's, yeah, it's been an interesting process. Um, I wrote a little bit about it and I, I think I titled it like pruning the mind garden or something like that. Like all these beautiful ideas growing all this inspiration and vision and really having to prune that back and, and let some of it go. Um, but, but one thing also, so, okay, before I launch into this, I need to explain the Lord of the Rings stuff because, um, it's, it's going to contextualize a lot of how I approached this. So I'm obviously a huge Tolkien fan. Um, I hadn't read the three Lord of the Rings books, the trilogy since I was a teenager. So it'd been like 10 or 15 years. And I read them last year as part of a class with Becca Tarnas So it was this amazing group reading experience where we paralleled or where we followed her work of paralleling um, Young's Red Book and Tolkien's Red Book, which is uh, combined the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, 
I believe she's offering the class next year. And if anyone is into that kind of stuff, um, all that imaginal work, highly, highly recommend the class. It was absolutely transformative. Um, but at the very end of the books, Frodo says something. This is at the very end of The Return of the King when he uh, leaves Middle Earth. He said, let me look at this. He said, I tried to save the Shire and it has been saved, but not for me. It must often be so when things are in danger. Someone has to give them up to lose them so that others may keep them. And I thought of that when I thought of all the things we're leaving behind in Sagittarius, some of the ideas that we simply didn't have the energy for now that Jupiter's in Capricorn and we're consolidating and we are uh, conserving our energy and really choosing intentionally what we do have the time and energy to, to give to and how some of the best ideas or projects or dreams you had, it's, it's not like they go away and disappear forever. Sometimes you have to kind of pass the torch and let that pass on to somebody else who does have the energy or pass it on to a future version of yourself that has the energy and has the time to dedicate to that. And um, yeah, I thought it was a real gift to be reading that mythology during this time. Cause it's, real medicine, um, stories in general, I find to be so medicinal. And so there, that's just, uh, the start of the parallels that I was experiencing last year, but that's, yeah. It makes me wonder about like the energy of winter and that sense of kind of consolidating energy for winter, things being slower needing to have your food stored up from the abundance of the spring harvest and put in jars and whatnot. And the kind of, um, mythology of like winter is coming, which I know is more of a game of Thrones thing, but I feel like that mood, (laughs) there has been a a looming large sense of dread in the collective, I think. Um, yeah. And I think that what Jupiter, like Jupiter exaggerates and expands. So if we think of like the Capricorn archetype and its potentials for, you know, putting in the hard work and, being disciplined, but also that cynicism or dread or kind of in like dark, dry kind of humor and like Jupiter really magnifying that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one very basic way I conceptualize this transit is, you know, Jupiter, a natural signification of Jupiter is hope, faith, belief, optimism. And, um, a lot of the way that I contextualize planets in any sign is using essential dignity, um, which is a traditional concept kind of of rulership and lack thereof. And in Capricorn, Jupiter is in fall. And first of all, I'm not the kind of astrologer who's going to be like, oh, you have a planet that doesn't have a good essential dignity. Like it doesn't work. Like that's, that's obviously not how planets work in anybody's chart. Um, But a term I like to use for it is not traditionally resourced or not conventionally resourced. So um, basically a planet in fall or detriment does not have the resources it would ideally like to have to do its essential function. So with Jupiter and Capricorn, optimism doesn't come easily. You know, these things are not as easy to access. Hope doesn't feel as available when Jupiter isn't resourced the way uh, he would like to be to traditional be to traditionally be able to offer that up to us. And so, I mean, 
yeah, sense of dread and looming. Like it's, it's been tough. It's been something that we have to choose. Like you, you we've really had to choose hope, choose yes. belief and choose faith because it's not automatic. Um, it, it stopped being automatic when Jupiter left Sagittarius. So that's been quite a task at some points, but, but yeah, that's definitely one way I've conceptualized it too. So that opens up kind of a question about for Jupiter being in Capricorn, what would have been more difficult uh, with this placement and what would have been more supported or more abundant? Yeah. So as far as what would be more difficult, um, the things I was just referring to. So uh, easily accessing a sense of like, it's going to be okay, or we're going to make it through this, or like, I can do it. That could be really tough. Um, just that sense of optimism is, is kind of replaced with more cynicism or pessimism. Um, but one thing Jupiter and Capricorn has really supported is taking a good hard look at our values and, and really getting in touch with those because when you don't have a lot of energy and you don't have a lot of access to just like the, that beautiful, like flying by the seat of your pants, optimism, that belief that you're going to be able to do this and it's going to be great. Uh, you have to figure out how to take actions from a place that's really in alignment with your values. And you have to know what those values are to do that. Otherwise it becomes really easy to sink into a dark place where you're like, well, I don't really believe in anything. Like I just, mm -hmm. I just don't think it's going to work out. Um, which, you know, it's, it's been tough not to go to that place during this transit, but really getting in touch with your values and saying, you know, what's actually important to me, like on a core level, like to my worldview, to my metaphysics, um, to my hopes and dreams, like, like what actually matters to me and being able to live that even when it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and that's the commitment piece with a Saturn ruled sign. Like Saturn wants you to be able to commit to what you're doing. And when you're low on energy and you're low on hope and faith, like you, you better believe in what you're doing. Like it better be in alignment with your values or it's not going to feel worth it. So uh, that optimism has been kind of hard to access, but um, some things that are really supported are gradual um, consistent efforts towards a goal, sustained effort, um, really leaning into things that are supportive, whether they feel like fun and happy or not. So things like refocusing on your health and wellness and like making the choice to like, whether it's, you know, not drinking or like not eating sugar or whatever, like really taking a hard look at these and being like, well, it doesn't feel good right now today to, abstain from this or whatever, but I know that in a year, like my body will thank me and this is conserving my resources. So those things that feel like a commitment and feel like discipline in service of a higher goal or in service of your values has been really supported. Uh, thankfully, because I know, I know for me, it was like, there was a lot of hot air with Jupiter and Sagittarius and I needed the grounded the groundedness of being like, okay, here's what's important. Here's what I need to do to sustain myself. So I can put energy into these grander visions and goals. Right. There was a, a period like a couple months ago where I think 
I don't know how long of a time it was, but I would get depressed over like, I'm not having fun. Like I'd look at my calendar and I'd be like, I work a lot and I love my work, but I wasn't planning anything fun. So like my calendar just was like stuff that I had to do. And I had to take like a look at that because for me, being disciplined is like not a problem. Like that's my default. Like as a kid, if I was sad or felt like I didn't have friends, I'd be like, well, I'll just read and work, (laughs) you know? So like that, I can just do that. Uh, But having to be like, what would be fun and how can I schedule that? feels like such a Jupiter and Capricorn thing. It so is. It so is because like, it's just a big, what's the point vibe where you're just like, what's the point? Like, will fun advance me towards my goals? And it's just like, well, maybe not exactly in that moment, but if it helps your overall wellness and thriving, yes, it will. And it's like, that's the way you have to explain to Jupiter and Capricorn that, yeah, you need to have some fun in your calendar. Like you need to have some time for things like this. Like you can't just work all the time. I mean, you can, but there are consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely felt that too. It was like, wow, do I have fun anymore? Can I have fun anymore? Like, I mean, it's also like just the world situation and like, you can't really go out at night to like parties per se, or like there aren't really events that happen in person currently, which felt like such a Jupiter and Capricorn, like downer, like no party anymore kind of energy. Um, and like the travel bans too. Oh my God. Yeah. Like there are some ways that this turned out to be so literal in ways that I just did not anticipate. And that's one of them. Cause, um, a Saturn archetype I often think of is like the renunciate or like, um, the person living a monastic lifestyle, completely isolated, just like praying all the time and studying old texts and stuff like that. And so, Jupiter loves to connect with people. Jupiter loves to host like a great party or like a book club or, or whatever. Um, and so with Jupiter and Capricorn um, in Saturn sign, there really has been this contraction. Um, and we've seen that socially, you know, obviously with whatever, or with everything that's been going on this year, this idea that like you, you literally can't go out, you literally can't travel. You can't gather in large groups of people. Like we've all kind of at some point or another had to kind of get in touch with that, um, that inner kind of ascetic lifestyle where it's like, what do you do when you're alone? Like, how do you feel? And how do you still sustain yourself with those um, life-giving connections that we need when it's very much not available? Again, just resources that aren't available in this context. But yeah, it's it's been tough. It really has. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the asceticism is also a vibe that I do tend to enjoy. So I think that's even why I went to excess with working because it was like, well, I'll just work on my goals now all around the clock. And yeah, having to like (laughs) pull that back a bit. Yeah. Um, So speaking of that, like, what do you think philosophically about the concept of hard work? Um, Because I think that it's this concept that has baggage to it. I think a lot of like people have opinions, which is like a Jupiter thing about hard work, whether it's, you know, good and it shows that you have good moral character or whether it's a sign of repression and like 
not being in touch with the flow of life, you know, um, even like spiritual teachings that can open up the possibility of living more with ease. But yeah, like, where do you think is the place for hard work in reality? And just like, what do you think about it? This is such a good question. I'm so excited to talk about this with you and hear your take on it too, because you're absolutely right. Like the concept of hard work can be honestly just super toxic. Like it can be um, completely in service of like a capitalist mindset in society, which is obviously just pretty much not good for anybody. Um, But yeah, I think I was thinking about this earlier and I think I have this vague memory from like when I was in school and it was like the definition of work is like effort that's exerted against an object that, that like has a result, like a measurable result. And that is just like, absolutely not how things like healing work can be measured inner work. You cannot measure it that way. Like you can't always produce a result and be like, I'm this much percent healed from my, childhood trauma or like whatever, or like I'm this percent complete on my spiritual journey, like how in the world you can't measure those things that way. Um, and, and one thing that's definitely like a big Capricorn mood is hard work. So we have to really look at what that means and how we can engage with something like hard work, um, in a way that is not toxic and that is actually healing. And, um, back to Lord of the Rings for a second, when I was first writing about this in late 2019, I suppose, um, I was reading the part of Lord of the Rings where Aragorn, who is essentially like the lost heir to the throne of Gondor, this like once great kingdom. Um, and pretty much everybody thought, including the stewards of the city who were basically taking care of it until a king returned, everyone pretty much thought a king would never return, right? So you have this like lordly king figure who finally is basically going to step back up and like um, take the throne and like um, return to the kingdom. And I don't want to say like restore order, but just restore that leadership and that beacon of hope for people to look to. Um, And obviously the whole story of Lord of the Rings is much more than just about Aragorn and Gondor and all of that. But um, when Aragorn finally, after all these things have happened, so many battles have happened, um, once he finally arrives in Gondor, he hasn't slept for days. He's been traveling and literally fighting battles for days. And rather than striding in in the middle of the night and being like, well, the king's back, like here I am, he disguises himself and goes to the houses of healing because three of his friends are um, badly, badly injured, not just in body, but in spirit. They basically have been wounded by dark power and they're dying. So he goes, he goes in secretly. He's like, don't tell anybody I'm here. He, he doesn't stop to rest. He doesn't stop to sleep. He goes straight there and he uses, um, he uses these leaves essentially whose potency has been completely forgotten in the lore of this city for their healing power. And he goes and essentially makes like a tincture and heals his friends. And it's described so poignantly in the book where he's literally calling them back from death's doorstep, both in spirit and in body. And 
the phrase that kind of struck me was the hard work of healing. Um, Cause when you do have grievous wounds to heal from, it takes so much courage. It takes so much persistence. It takes showing up and continuing to show up whether or not hope is available to you easily, you know, whether or not Jupiter is in Sagittarius, you have to keep showing up. You have to choose hope and you have to choose faith and you have to take action, not from a place of, will this win me glory or, you know, will this do something for me? But having, taking action from this space of, this is the right thing to do. Like healing my people matters to me because in healing them, I'm healing myself. I'm healing my country. I'm healing my city. Like I'm starting this from a place of healing and from not abandoning hope and not abandoning anyone, no matter how dire it may look. Um, And so that kind of hard work is really what I saw for Jupiter and Capricorn and have experienced as well, which is the commitment um, and the perseverance to keep showing up for things like personal work and healing work, even when you don't believe in that moment that it's going to do anything, keep showing up. And so um, I guess we'd have to like really define work to say like, what is hard work and what is its place? But to me, I guess maybe a better word to describe it if, if we wanted to kind of have a departure from the term with so much baggage, hard work would be like a practice, um, like routines and practices that continually support you again, whether they feel good in that moment or not, whether you believe they're working in that moment or not. And just saying, these are my values. These are my priorities this is the space that I'm moving from and taking action from. And I'm going to continue to do that regardless of what's going on. So um, yeah, I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on this too, because, you know, there are, there are definitely worldviews and spiritual practices that invite us to uh, welcome more ease into our lives, more grace and more flow. And one of the ways I engage with astrology, and this is definitely due to my traditional background, but also just personal experience. Um, I'm really not one to try to spin things in a hopeful way all the time, if, especially if my experience or my client's experience is not positive in that moment. So I think it's really important to acknowledge when there is not ease, when there's not grace, when there's not optimism or hope. Um, so you can give that agency back to yourself and say, okay, like, what will you do with your intention where you are in your present moment? Like right now, what will you choose? You know, will you choose to commit to your healing process? Will you choose to show up for it in even a tiny way and stay committed or, you know, what else will you choose? But, um, I think those choices include allowing us to choose ease at times when it doesn't seem available. Um, but I think for me, especially, you know, I do have a lot of Virgo planets. I do tend towards a little bit of pessimism and cynicism myself. So it's like, I have to accept when things feel bad or things suck for me to be able to say, okay, here's how I will choose ease. Here's who, here's how I will, um, choose to not, um, 
victim identify in this situation, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm really interested to hear your take as well. Yeah, that was so beautiful. I, um, I had an experience, uh, when I was, I'm not sure what year it was. I was probably like 22 or 23 when I was doing this inner work of basically like rewiring my brain. And I think that's how I would have put it then. It wasn't that I had read anything about neurochemistry. Like it wasn't based off of that. It was tracking, uh, the transcript of my thoughts and just like being present with where I was going and knowing that like, I have a really intense focus and, you know, a lot of Pluto aspects and stuff. So I feel these rabbit holes that I go down and they, there just used to be less boundaries. I think for me to go into these very, uh, tumultuous places inside of myself and get stuck there in this like very swampy place. So I did this, uh, work around cutting myself off from that in a sense of like, I'm going to do something on purpose to elevate my mood when I'm starting to feel depressed or starting to feel down. And I was doing it in a disciplined way of just like, not going to entertain this thought track, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I started to notice that it became easier and easier to be happy at like a resting default place. And to me, that was like hard work. Like I was working hard to be a happier person. And now that I have that baseline that I kind of had set up for myself and the reason that I did it too is because I was studying law of attraction and I had started studying evolutionary astrology and the two at the same time. And they both seem to address karma, um, law of attraction, not in the same way, but it would law of attraction would talk about how material material reality is the manifestation of past thoughts and feelings. And then if you just keep reacting to the physical material reality, then you are kind of entangled with it. And so choose thoughts and feelings on purpose. And then karma, Saturn, also is the crystallization of the past. So knowing that, I was like, this is an experiment. I feel miserable now, (laughs) but I'm going to try and give it time and see if there's a result. And so I just remember like certain times, um, yeah, feeling like what I was doing was hard, but also in alignment with my values of, you know, what I was tuning into now, currently I do have other ways of processing negative emotion. That's not just like change it and be happy, but I'm glad that I (laughs) (laughs) developed that. Um, I really, I think there's an element to work of like the concept of excellency and like wanting to leave a legacy. And I think that Saturn and Capricorn can have that energy of sacrifice of like, I'm not going to live a normal life or be like normally human. I'm going to like do this hard thing so that I can have this result in the future. And I feel like that is like, I do feel driven by that at times. Um, And I think that when you see the payoff of that level of hard work, so to say, it becomes very satisfying. And then it's just a matter of balancing it so that you still like have human 
uh, in you and you haven't like (laughs) cut yourself off from feeling. Oh, that's a mood. Yeah, absolutely. On the the excellence piece, excellence and mastery are 100% a Saturn thing. And, um, yeah, you, you do have to sacrifice for that. Like, because you have to continually choose over and over that commitment to your path that you've chosen. And if you're on a path to master something or achieve excellence, you know, you have to do things like say no to other things because you're saying yes to your thing. And, uh, yeah, it, it, that kind of energy can be not so moderate if you're careful, which is a trap I fall into a lot where, yeah, it can be hard to balance. Cause you're like, no, I'm becoming excellent. It's like, okay. But also like you need friends and like, you need to, like you were saying, have some fun every now and then and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's been such a Jupiter and Capricorn thing too, is like, okay, pick one or two of those big Jupiter and Sagittarius dreams. Like, what do you really want to achieve excellence with? What can you really give yourself to, to the sacrifice of something else? Like what matters that much? What is that in alignment with your values and, and do that. Um, and, and yeah, commitment can feel heavy like that, but that's what it takes to achieve excellence and mastery. And it is worth it. And, you know, speaking of things, Jupiter and Capricorn supports, um, do you mind if I share like a personal anecdote? Please like, do. Talk about yeah. Stuff. Okay. Um, so Jupiter and Sagittarius was a fifth house transit for me. Um, I have Leo rising. So it was Jupiter in my fifth. Uh, I was in a fifth house perfection year. So it should have, I was like, oh, this will be great. Like Jupiter and Sagittarius in my fifth house year, it'll be like so creative and I'll have all these like fun parties and all this great sex and all this stuff. And, um, I actually just found it to be really overwhelming. Like by the end of it, I was looking forward to Jupiter and Capricorns. I was like, okay, I have way too many projects that sound awesome and I'm not doing any of them, but they just are all swirling around in here. Um, and when Jupiter moved into Capricorn, it moved into my sixth house. And so there was the paring down, there was the letting go of the ideas that just weren't viable, but something unique that I noticed, and this definitely had to do with the houses these transits were in for me, but I think, I think it runs a little deeper than that as well, which was what were the things that I thought were providing me with like fun and pleasure and joy, these fifth house things that were a little bit more like of an illusion than I thought. Uh, Jupiter was square Neptune for that transit too. Um, And what things actually do bring joy and pleasure and gratification, which isn't always the same as like a joyful, fun and light feeling. Um, And part of what brings me a lot of gratification um, and has, especially during this transit, uh, accessing that Jupiterian feeling of like, this is good. This nourishes me. This inspires me has been things like committing to a practice or like investing in my wellness or like saying no to things that I don't have time or energy for. So a big sixth house mood, um, but also a Jupiter and Capricorn thing, like seeing with clarity, what really matters and what can bring that gratification. Like you were saying, like working towards a long-term goal, working towards excellence and mastery, committing to that path is gratifying. And it's a different kind of, uh, 
pleasure or good feeling than like having a lot of fun or like going to a lot of parties or just, you know, that kind of vibe. Um, but I noticed that a lot. And I noticed that with a lot of my clients and a lot of my loved ones too, just this idea of, um, being able to find different ways to gratification and joy that come from a deeper place, the, the kind of joy that you do have to kind of work for. Um, but it's lasting. And that's a Saturn thing too. Saturn really, Saturn wants to build things that last. And so it's like, how can you build joy that lasts and keeps giving back to you rather than something that's quite as fleeting? Uh, so yeah, I definitely noticed that was like, what's gratifying? Like what, how can I build my joy? Not just like have it float through me and then float out the window and it's gone. And it's like, was that even real? So that's something I noticed too. That makes me think about, um, Haruki Murakami is a Capricorn and he has one of my favorite quotes about writing that goes something to the effect of that. Every time he writes a novel, it's a new discovery. And it looks something like hacking at rock until he reaches the geyser and like all the water comes rushing up. And I think that it's such a Saturnian image of like hacking at rock. Like it's so aggressive, (laughs) but that sense of that it's hard until you reach this certain flow. And um, I think what's really interesting about discipline and conditioning processes, which are Capricorn thing is that you don't know if the way that you're fitting yourself into a box is going to be rewarding or if it's like hurting you potentially. So like, for example, I used to practice Ashtanga yoga, um, which you get up early and it's a very intense form of yoga. And I really wanted to accomplish the postures. Like I've, I knew I was ambitious about my yoga practice, which goes against the philosophy of yoga. Like I had an ego about it and, you know, admittedly so, but it was weird to kind of watch how I had all the discipline to like get up early, like organize my life around this practice, but that, um, I started to have these kind of injury things crop up and I did all this stuff to work on healing it. And I was still committed until the injuries were too loud, you know, and I still feel like I have fallout from that. And I just kind of remember as I was going through that process, it's like, am I conditioning my body and I'll like move past this phase, you know, like if you're, if you're cutting sugar out of your diet, like you may feel strange for a couple of weeks. It doesn't mean that you need sugar. So it was like, yeah, maybe my body feels weird, but eventually it'll get better. And like, for me, Ashtanga wasn't the thing, but like, I also used to read books for hours until my whole body hurt when I was in high school (laughs) and I don't do that anymore. I don't have the patience, you know, but I'm glad that I did that because I would read entire like Russian classics and I just don't have the bandwidth for that now, but I'm glad I did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that brings up for me the idea of Jupiter and grace and moderation, which, um, it's really funny. Like a a traditional Jupiter signification is like moderation and like sobriety, which is so funny because it's like the opposite in so many ways in like a modern context where it's like excess and like 
overdoing it is such a Jupiter thing, but, um, and I really see both. So I'm, I'm not going to argue for one or the other, but, um, I think part of Jupiter and Capricorn has been helpful for like, is this really hard thing you're like trying to achieve through commitment and gradual and persistent effort to achieve a long-term result? Is it actually hurting you? Because if it is, you can stop. And like part of achieving excellence or part of committing to a process is doing things like scheduling in time to rest, knowing when you have reached a limit. It's another Capricorn thing. It's another Saturn thing. And not falling into the trap of being like, well, this means I'm bad or like, or this means I can't do it. It's like, no, you have to have grace for yourself. And like the idea of this benevolent kind of Jupiterian figure, um, being kind of a voice of reason in a different way and, and being able to say, you know, if you really want to commit to this process, like you have to be okay with taking breaks sometimes. And I feel like planets in Capricorn um, and in earth signs to a degree in general, less so Taurus because it's a Venus ruled sign, but with earth signs, like sometimes you have to like make a case for why something's practical for the planet to be like, okay, fine. It's on the agenda. So with, so with like Jupiter and Capricorn, it's like, if you don't have fun, sometimes if you don't rest, um, Diana Rose Harper, I've heard her put it this way so many times and I love it so much. She's like, I have to schedule in time where I'm just like staring at the ceiling for half an hour yeah. and doing absolutely nothing. Like being able to have the grace and not be so much of a hard ass that you're like, that's useless. That won't help me. Like it will actually help you. Um, this is also making me think of the, the idea of Jupiter and Capricorn, if you were to imagine this as like, uh, I do this a lot. And I think a lot of astrologers do imagining a planet as a figure in the sign as some kind of environment. And so with Jupiter being this like benevolent figure, um, some, some very like well-read learned figure expert in something because they've read so many books and had so many life experiences. I imagine it kind of like a doctor that's doing work as a field medic, like on a battlefield, like you don't have all the resources that you would, if you were in like a state of the art hospital, you're going out there and saving lives where you can. And this idea that like, you can still do healing work, even if you don't have a lot of resources or the goal is healing, it is saving, it is preserving. Um, and sometimes you, you just have to do what you can to that effect with what you have available, even if you don't have a lot. Um, that was another kind of connection to the Aragorn storyline was like, he had pretty much nothing left and like the city was kind of in ruins, but like he made do with what he had. And like that intention and commitment to that value was no doubt part of what made that healing possible. And so, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn knows when to be like, this is all we've got. So do what you can with what you have and then stop and then rest because you have to like, I can't hook you up to an IV. We're in a tent, like in the middle of a battlefield. So you need to stay in bed for three days. You have to. And like that grace 
from a benevolent figure who knows what you need, even with kind of a lack of traditional resources. So yeah, I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but it made me think of that. No, that's helpful. And I feel like that um, can be applied metaphorically to the general mood. Um, yeah. And the sense of like finding happiness or finding that Jupiter kind of quality with what you have, which I feel like is ultimately kind of what opens the, that Haruki Murakami image of like hacking at the rock to find the geyser. It's like, there is a lot of magic in working with what you have. And I'm just starting to read, um, let's see, I have it handy so I can remember the title. It is, maybe I don't have it handy, but it's a book by Gabby Hairstick. Um, and it's about witchcraft. And there was some paragraph about like, you don't need to buy expensive gear or like expensive crystals. Yes. And you can practice, like, remember that, you know, people were doing this before capitalism. And it's like, you can just go outside and all the materials are there. Just make an offering and ask for permission. And Absolutely. Yeah. It's like that with like people that can go into a kitchen and someone's like, I don't, you know, have a lot of food. And they're like, oh, well, I'll whip something up. And then they just like magically create something because they're resourceful. Absolutely. Oh, I love that so much because it's so, because what is that? But, you know, finding out how to create joy or create something to meet your needs, even when it seems like there's not a lot there. And it makes me think of um, the concept of like limiting your resources in order to inspire creative solutions or like um, get your creative juices flowing. Like um, that's something I experience a lot with writing is like, okay, how much can I communicate about these transits or whatever using like zero astrology terminology or like uh, taking away something in order to flesh something out with what's available. And Jupiter and Capricorn has been so good for that. You know, like you can't go to a party, but like, oh, what was that app everybody was using? Uh, house party. House party, but we can house party and it's great and it's something and it's better than nothing and it is available. So yeah, I love that. I love the image of like chipping away at the rock to like release the geyser too. It's like, what else are you going to do? Like sit there and feel sad that there's not a geyser yet. Or you could just like pick up a rock and do something. And like, that's choosing hope. That's choosing. Yeah. It's choosing hope and belief. I feel the Capricorn energy coming through. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just do it. Which is <laughs> a little bit of an Aries thing, but the like kind of like pull yourself up energy of Capricorn too. Yep. Um, what do you think about Jupiter moving into Aquarius and the conjunction with Jupiter and Saturn on the solstice? Oh man, it is on the solstice, isn't it? Um, that's going to be so interesting. Um, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot and what's interesting about it to me is that Jupiter is still going to be in a Saturn ruled sign. So we can still say some things about, um, Jupiter's essential nature from traditional astrology, at least. Right. Yeah. From yeah. traditional astrology. Thank you. Um, 
Jupiter's essential nature in a traditional astrology standpoint is kind of opposite of Saturn's um, kind of traditional significations. So we could say some things about how there's still sort of that um, incongruity, if you will. However, I don't think it's going to feel that way. I think number one, Jupiter being in an air sign is going to introduce a lot more room for movement. Um, kind of in every sphere, really. Um, I, I don't think it's going to feel as dry. I don't think it's going to feel quite as grounded. Um, but one thing I love about Saturn is this idea of perspective, which is a Jupiter thing as well, like that big picture mindset. But I think Saturn, sometimes I think of it this way, like Jupiter having perspective. Um, hmm, how do I put this? Like in a sense of like, having had a lot of experiences or seen a lot of places and having that kind of intellectual perspective and Saturn having the benefit of this like temporal perspective. Like, look, I've been around a long time. I've seen cycles happen over and over and over. I think of Saturn ruling time and how um, in Aquarius we have this broad view. It's an air sign. There's this like idea of space and perspective there. And I think that's going to feel really good um, to the Jupiter um, parts of our charts, parts of our lives. And so I, I think it's going to feel lighter, number one, which again, just like Jupiter and Capricorn might've felt like relief to some, I think this is going to feel like relief to probably everybody. Um, even if you're choosing joy where you can, this, this has been a tough transit and it's, we've, we've had to ask a lot of ourselves. So I think there's going to be a little bit more space to move and shake it out and, and feel like more things are possible. Like there's more possibility. Um, that said, there's also the benefit of, from a traditional perspective, Saturn ruling Aquarius and being well-resourced to support and provide um, constructive results or constructive circumstances. Um, and so these two planets coming together in Aquarius feels like imagining new ways of existing that are more beneficial, that are more constructive and supportive, um, that solve problems. Um, and it, I, I get this sense of it feeling like being able to cover more ground in a way, you know, Capricorn is an earth sign and it can be, the, the pace is just much more slow and steady, can feel kind of grinding sometimes. And I think with Aquarius, it's going to be like, okay, we can actually do things. We can make changes. We can get things done. We can make choices and see results faster. Um, and hopefully for the better, um, hopefully this idea of Jupiter's magnification and expansion and Saturn's ability to crystallize our reality is going to be a really fruitful collaboration between these energies that um, not only allow us to like imagine new worlds, but like bring them into the present and embody them in new ways. So I'm pretty excited for that. Beautiful. Um, so how can people find you and are you offering consultations currently? 
I am. Um, so you can find me at my website. It's joegleason.com. It's just J-O. Um, and I'm also on social media, mostly on Twitter. Um, I'm a word person. I try to do Instagram, but it doesn't always work out. Um, but you can find me everywhere on social media at just Joe Gleason. So that's J-U-S-T and then my name, Joe Gleason. Um, I am doing consultations right now. I am on a little bit of a break just till the end of this week. Um, but yeah, I'm open for consultations and all that information is on my website. Yeah, I got a really great reading from you. Um, so for anyone listening, I highly recommend. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure reading for you. Thanks. Yeah, it was really cool to learn about traditional astrology from your perspective with my chart. And it did, it like unlocked and moved a lot of stuff. Um, it was really cool. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. Uh, I really admire your work and evolutionary astrology is like absolutely on my list of things I want to study. It has been for a long time. And so it was so uh, wonderful to work with you and get to look at your chart with you. And it was a learning experience for me too. And I just think you're so great. And I love all the work that you put into the world. And it was wonderful being able to see that from the perspective of your natal chart. So I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for helping us uh, look back at Jupiter and Capricorn with some mythology from Lord of the Rings too. Um, it gives me a feeling around you know, I think that a lot of people have struggled this year and a lot of people have been having the best year of their lives. Often That's people, true. like literally <laughs> they were like, I decided and they'll use that phrase. They're like, I chose that this was going to be the best year, <laughs> which is powerful. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I think that, um, it kind of makes me think of like the wheel or something and just how sometimes life is on the up and sometimes it's on the down and we do have choice. And then also sometimes things are just harder, uh, than others. And so for anyone listening, you know, compassion with yourself, cause this has been really an intense year. Um, but it's also such a Capricorn thing to look back. <laughs> and yes. so, yeah, I'm glad that we got to do this. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor and a pleasure. Thanks. So go follow Joe and I'm going to leave the links to those articles, the hard work of healing and the pruning the mind garden articles in the show notes as well. And if you've been enjoying this podcast for a little bit, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you send me a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, take that screenshot before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I will send you a free gift. It is a resource library for creating and elevating your reality. It is very much based on what I was talking about um, for a moment in this episode about getting into a space of rewiring my brain away from depression, what I learned about elevating reality and law of attraction and manifestation and all of that. It's become a really big part of my life and some information that I'm excited to share with you. Thank you for listening. I really like Joe and her work and I feel like talking with her and reading her content and getting a reading with her has helped me understand Hellenistic astrology more and kind of ground it more into my own understanding. 
I think that she brings a very um, compassionate lens to the way that she practices astrology as well. And thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed. <laughs>